Breaking news. <laughs> uh, this is Real Talk, episode three. Uh, welcome, all you listeners out there. Um, this is the podcast for the arts and entertainment section of The Daily Californian. Uh, I am Jackson Kim Murphy. I am the current film beat for The Daily Cal, and I'm sitting here with... Grace Orris. I'm the current theater beat for The Daily Cal. Uh, and we're here to do an episode on Marvel, uh, the MCU, yes, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> um, so well, why why now? Uh, because it's the time has come to reassess where where we are on this eleven year journey. Avengers Endgame uh, releases in theaters uh, in just ten days from now. If we're counting Thursday night as the release day. Yeah, it would be 10 days from now. 10 days. We're 10 days away, folks. And, you know, uh, some people might die. Uh, if you saw Infinity War last year, a bunch of people died, maybe. Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> well, might be undead. They might be undead. <laughs> most days. of them are probably undead. Most, uh, yeah. There's another, there's a Spider-Man movie coming out this summer. <laughs> it could be set in the past. I, it could be. Nope. Yes. <laughs> I, have, I have my doubts. <laughs> it could be. Uh, it could be. Uh, we'll find out in 10 days. But anyways, uh, this is the Avengers Endgame uh, episode. We are going to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Grace and I are friends. Yes. We do improv comedy together. Yep. Uh, MJ's adjusting the levels. He's our producer. Uh, hi, MJ. Hello. <laughs> Maybe the mic picked it up. <laughs> uh, MJ's the best. He'll be the tiebreaker for this uh, thing. Um, but uh, Avengers Endgame is, you know, the finale of where this universe, this franchise has been going for 11 years now. The Sort of the red carpet has been rolled out over the course of the decade. And here we are. A lot of the contracts are up for these actors, such as Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, mm-hmm. a bunch of these people... And this is supposed to be a finale of the story that's been going on for a while now. So what better time to reassess how we got there? Grace and I are doing this podcast together because we are friends. Yes. We do improv comedy together. We do. But also, uh, Grace loves Marvel movies. A lot. And I like some of them. (laughs) Jackson (laughs) likes a random assortment of them. I like... A very particular a very random. arrangement oh, of them uh, for specific reasons that we'll get into. Yeah, let's let's get into that. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, we we both ranked all twenty one or twenty one of these things. Yep. There are twenty one movies. We ranked all twenty one of them uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then we aggregated those rankings between us. We averaged them all out. And the results are kind of bizarre because uh, yeah. <laughs> we kind of have opposite lists a little bit. Yeah. We have a few consensus favorites that mm-hmm. rounded out on the top. We have a few consensus shitty movies that are on the bottom. Uh, and the middle is chaos. The middle's chaos. And I can't wait to sift through all that chaos with you, Grace. Me too, Jackson. <laughs> uh, before we get into our ranking, I'll work from the bottom to the top. So we'll start with the worst one. Mm-hmm. Um Let's just talk about how we feel about uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Grace, what was the first Marvel movie you saw? Um, 
The first Marvel movie I saw in theaters was the first Iron Man. Whoa. Yeah. That's yeah. the first one, people. I know. I've been here since the beginning, you guys. I remember it distinctly. <laughs> I remember distinctly because I must have been about nine or ten. And I don't actually remember the experience of being in the theater as much as I remember walking out with my mom. And my mom was really upset that she had taken me and my brother to see it because she didn't know how violent it was going to be. Yeah. Um. So I remember that. And then the next one that I saw in theaters was actually the first Avengers. I went to see the first Avengers without seeing like Thor or Iron Man 2 or Captain America in theaters. And uh, that was kind of a revelatory moment for me. I remember sitting in the theater um, when the Hulk like punches that giant towery worm thing. Yeah. And I was like, this is a come to Jesus moment. Like my life has changed. I will never be the same. And I wasn't. Uh, I went home and I watched all of phase one multiple times. And I've been there at every Marvel movie opening weekend since. And, you know, I've really kind of stayed connected to these characters throughout this 21 movie tapestry, as Chris Evans has been saying <laughs> on the press store. Um, and it's just really, you know, it's the way I stay in touch with a lot of my friends from home as we talk yeah. about Marvel. And it's something that I've always been really into with my little brother. So that's a big part of, you know, our relationship and stuff that we're into. So Marvel's always played a really important role in my life. I got t-shirts. I got a Marvel wallet. I got Marvel air fresheners in my car. Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> you, Jackson? I... Before I, I started dunking on these things, mm -hmm. uh, I just want to say that's what movies are about. They're about bringing people together. That's uh, that's what uh, that's what I think the best thing a blockbuster can do yeah. is just you know give some. I mean, like it like it sounds condescending to say like water cooler, but like it's something to talk about and yeah. something to help people connect with each other. And everyone looks at this one thing and interprets it their own way. And I love I love blockbusters for that reason. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, <laughs> no, I've, I, you know, I, 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 I really, I loved these movies. Uh, it, yeah, I love these movies for a long time. Um, I'm not sure what the, oh no, I do know what the first one I saw in theaters was. It was Iron Man 2. Wow. Uh, in that 2010. is an entry point. <laughs> yeah, I was like, who's, who's this Iron Man guy? And like, that yeah. movie opens with him like jumping onto a stage in the Iron Man suit surrounded by like showgirls dancing and he's mm -hmm. like spinning around and he's like, I'm the best person in the world. And I'm like, Whoa, who's this? Who's this asshole? The best person in the uh, world, Tony Stark. Yeah, uh, not in that movie. Yeah, uh, you know, and and some other ones. <laughs> some other, he's not a great person in that movie. Uh, but I still I enjoyed uh, that movie at the time. I was thirteen. No, I was twelve. Um, but I was like, hey, check it out. He, the, the metal clanks and uh, he shoots lasers and uh, uh, Mickey Rourke uh, looks fucked up. And <laughs> 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 I like I liked it all. It was it had jokes and it was funny. Um, I saw first of, like Captain America: The First Avenger the next year over the summer, and I loved that movie. Yeah, and I'm sure I caught up with the rest of them on FX. Um, FX has the movies, I was, folks. You beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> FX has the movies, uh, which is like if you look at the early Marvel films, a lot of those are like quintessential. FX has the movies. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um but i remember seeing the first avengers in theaters uh it was at the end of my freshman year in high school and uh i remember 
like everyone was just excited for it out of nowhere like not everyone had seen all the films yet but everyone was really into it uh, i went with a group of like uh, at least 12 people i think and like this the theater was already sold out when by the time we got there so a bunch of people bought tickets to the lucky one starring zach efron oh and then God. just snuck in and sat on the floor of the avengers theater yeah and it was great and everyone loved it and since then, I'd seen pretty much all of them opening, not opening weekend, but within the opening month or so. And I guess sometime around Ant-Man, I started to not like them as much, which is 2015. I would have just graduated high school then. And then since then, I've sort of run hot and cold on all of them. And now we're here. And I'm I'm kind of... It's a mix of Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, okay. Well, look, we've had them for 11 years, and I, th- I think they dominate the cultural conversation when they start, like, rounding the corner when yeah. releases are coming up. And so, like, you, you have to talk about them. We're talking about them right now. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, and I do I do like a lot of them, and I did l- like, like a lot of them when I was younger. And I'm happy it's around, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, so we... Did our rankings of all 21 movies. I rewatched a bunch of them. Did you rewatch a bunch of them? I rewatched a few that I hadn't revisited in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my opinion shifted around a little bit, but mostly kind of stayed the same. My opinions shifted a little too. I had a few that I initially ranked low that I watched again, and I was like, you know what? I'll move them up a few spots. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh? Who cares about uh, Iron Man 2? Not not either of us. Not either of us. <laughs> but what do we care about the least? Uh, we're going to jump into it, folks. Because number 21 on our list is The Incredible Hulk. Yes, the movie, everyone's favorite Marvel movie, mm-hmm. starring everyone's favorite Marvel actor, Edward Norton, who's yeah. still the Hulk to this day. <laughs> um, with the greatest Marvel villain. With the greatest Marvel villain. Abomination. Abomination is so his memorable. name, I guess. Yeah, it is. Uh, Tim Roth, whose origin story is he gets kicked really hard into a tree <laughs> and then gets injected with the serum and then um, is a bad guy. You know, this movie sucks. It's a bad, uh, it's, it's really bad. It's bad. <laughs> it's, it's... One could say it's not good. Uh, the thing that I remember most from, and I watched this movie like three years ago. I never need to watch it ever again in my life. Yeah. Um, but the thing I remember most rewatching in 2016 was just being like, oh, I guess he's the Hulk now, which mm-hmm. is not what should ever be happening to a viewer's mind when watching a Hulk movie. Yeah, I did not rewatch this one for this podcast because I couldn't bear to because it's so bland and so bad. bad. I just, the first time I, first and only time I ever watched it was like on my laptop in a, on a long car ride and I was like this this sucks. Yep. And, and I've never revisited it because it sucks. And you never will either, people. <laughs> Don't. Don't. Uh, okay, we're moving on because fuck that movie. Uh, <laughs> number 20 is Iron Man 2 The Deuce it's also um, bad. Also bad. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, people... people. <laughs> there are a lot of entries in the MCU that people kind of shit on because they spend too much time table setting or like Ooh. desperately trying to set up the next movies. Uh, I think Age of Ultron gets a lot of flack for that, which, <clears throat> which we'll talk about later. Uh, but I think this one is probably the worst offender in this that respect. This is bad because bad. Samuel L. Jackson just shows up as Nick Fury halfway through the movie and yeah. he's like stop the movie i'm here 
and I'm going to tell you about the Avengers. I think that Black Widow in that movie is, is just so terrible. I was watching the Endgame press conference recently, and somebody yeah. asked Scarlett Johansson about the evolution of her character, and she joked that she was a sexy secretary in Iron Man 2. And John Favreau was moderating the press conference, and he was like, well, she was undercover. Nah. Um, and that really tells you all you need to know about Black Widow's characterization in that movie. It's, it's so bad. She's very shoehorned in, and it's oh God, in it's like awful. a gross way, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a bad movie. Um, the, the villain is laughable. The villain's Mickey Rourke as Whiplash, who rules. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> he has a Russian accent. And I like that aspect, but like also he just kind of has whips, and you're like, what can you do? He just, he wants his bird. He wants his boy. Uh, there's a great scene. This is the only scene you people need to revisit out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Sam Rockwell, fantastic. Uh, really? Yeah. He's the CEO. He recruits uh, Whiplash, Mickey Rourke, uh, to build things for him. Why? This man looks insane. Who knows? <laughs> and then Mickey You're really impressed him with his performance at the racetrack where yeah. he failed to kill Iron Man like three times even after and, ramming him with a car. Oh, I liked him getting hit by a car. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Mickey Rourke is just like, I'll work for you, but they want my boys. He uh, needs... That bird. He needs his bird. And he just wants his bird the whole freaking movie. That's his only character. It's a bad movie. <laughs> War, War Machine's origin story is he uh, stops his uh, drunk best friend from being drunk. Iron Man pees in the suit in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does. Um, we all love that movie. Okay, number 19. Uh, these are going to be good optics. Oh, Captain yeah. Marvel. Listen. <laughs> the most recent entry in the series, Captain Marvel. Um... I guess we both don't like it, Grace. Okay, Jackson, no. I'm going to defend myself. I have this higher on the list than Jackson. And every, like, starting from this movie, every movie above the bottom two I liked. Um, honestly. <laughs> um, some I like more than It'll be a while till I get there. <laughs> um, but I like Captain Marvel. I think it's good. I think that part of the reason why I have it somewhat low, again, not as low as Jackson, um is because I tend to have recency bias, but the opposite way. I tend to be more endeared towards the older movies. Partially, I will admit, because of the nostalgia factor. Also, just because I feel like I've had time to sit with them longer and assess them more. So, Captain Marvel's somewhat bottom middle of my list. Um, I think that it's it's your it's a by-the-numbers origin story. I think that they placed it a month ahead of Endgame, and so you kind of unavoidably have to view the movie with the lens of it's setting up Endgame. Um, and I think the reason that I'm not in love with it is because I feel like, because it comes out so, like, so back-to-back with Endgame, Captain Marvel feels super shoehorned into that movie, as well as into the universe, just, like, where they chose to release it. Um, and yeah, I think it's like, it's an origin story. It's an origin story, but it's in the 90s. And that's fun, and that's a good time. But I don't think it really, you know, I mean, I think Brie Larson is a good lead. Jackson doesn't. I think Brie Larson's really good in this movie. I think Sam Jackson's really great in this movie. I love the buddy cop aspect of it. Um, I think some of the fight scenes are weak. You know, it's it's an origin story. It's a Marvel origin story. And, you know, it's as by the numbers as, as that can be, I think. And I think we should demand more than by the numbers. Okay. Uh, that's all I got. I don't know. Uh, Slides at the bottom. Yeah, this movie immediately evaporated from my mind like mm-hmm. the second I walked out. Um, it, it like the whole first hour. I'm like, when when is the when does the movie start? 
it and I was started. Like, I'm like, I guess we're in it. I guess this is the plot. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Check out my review of Captain Marvel on the dailycal.org or in print uh, a month ago. Yeah, go pick up that print newspaper. <laughs> uh, we're moving on. Number 18 is Spider-Man Homecoming, a movie I truly despise, but I, Grace, make a case. I Okay. I like this movie, and I would like everyone to know that the reason this movie is so low is because Jackson dragged it down. Um, I think I have it. I think I have it solid. <laughs> I have a solid middle in my list. It's right in the middle of my list. Um, and some people like this movie better than that. I think there's a case to be made for it being higher. I think there's definitely a case to be made for it being higher than number 18 um, in our combined ranking. Um, there, I... Love Homecoming. I think that this is the most comic book accurate portrayal of Spider-Man. I think that he actually acts like a kid. I think that Tom Holland is fantastic, and Jackson's going to hate when I say this. But I think that the movie plays with genre and tone in a way that is really effective and really fitting for this character. I like how it feels like a teen movie. I like that Spider-Man does some really like stupid shit in this movie because if you were a 15 year old with powers that that's what you would do like you would make dumb decisions and you know you would split ferry boats in half and blow up elevators and do all that stupid shit because you're 15 uh i think that it's really funny i love the little captain america cameos um the little instructional videos i think those are funny i think michael keaton is one of the best villains in the mcu i think that that ending sequence where uh you know Peter is taking Liz to homecoming and Michael Keaton opens the door. It's like, and that whole sequence following that where he's driving them to the dance is so tension laden and good. I love the moment at the end. That's like a comic book callback where he's trying to lift the concrete off of him. He's like, come on, Spider-Man. Yeah, I think this is a really lighthearted, great version of Spider-Man that I love. Um, And I think that it ties into the bigger universe while still remaining its own product. I also like how like downscaled it is. Low stakes, relatively. Um, it's not world-ending stakes. Because he's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Here's the thing. <laughs> I am fine with like all of that. Um, okay. I love I love the cast in this movie. This movie has like Hannibal Burris as a gym teacher. It's so good. It is insane. It's so good. No, I'm fine with all and I love I love Michael Keaton. I he he's... He's incredible. I love him so much. Uh, I just think this movie wastes every single one of its actors on a script that plays more like like four episodes of like a Spider-Man Netflix series smushed together. Um, it's just it's like two hours twelve minutes, and it's so bloated. But at the same time, like it's just like nothing. Like it's airless. Like nothing truly happens in it. I hate its nods to like class anxiety. Uh, where he is like, like he's blue collar and he's salvaging these alien weapons, and then he's like, "Well, I gotta take it on on my own and just do it this way." Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate that, uh, especially how it puts it against uh, Tony Stark, billionaire, giving Spider-Man a suit and just being like, "Have fun." Um, I, I mean, part of my loathing of this movie has to do with how much I do love the Sam Raimi trilogy, all three of them. Okay. I would just like to say I love the Sam Raimi trilogy as well. All three of them. Mostly the first two. <laughs> but I love those two. Uh, and I love the arc of those movies where he's just like, he's a person in New York trying to figure it out. He works a low-income job, and he's trying to balance these parts of his life. Right. 
And in this one, uh, it just it feels like it comes across it come it comes on a silver platter to him. And I think it is a terrible bore. I think all of the jokes stink. I think the action is atrocious. Uh, it's just the fairy. No. <laughs> the action is. Here's the thing. I don't know why you cast an actor who can do a backflip and then CG the suit. Well, Tom Holland did all his own stunts for this movie. Like he's he flipped over shit and. But then you CG the suit. Okay. Yeah. I just don't. It's not. I mean, he's wearing a suit. He's he's wearing like a like a. He's not like in the pajamas that Mark Ruffalo wears when he's the Hulk. Um, I think they had him wear pajamas for Infinity War, but in in Homecoming, he's in a suit, and I think a fair amount. I mean, Tom Holland made a point of he did all his own stunts. I think a fair amount of it is practical. Um. And I get what you're saying, but I. I like Spider-Man's characterization in this movie. I think that he like he acts like a fifteen-year-old would in the situation. Like he'd be, a, he's a bit of a brat. And like, I like that. We and like, I just who don't like how it's like. I just don't like how it's like. But Mister Mr. Stark and like Robert Downey Jr. I think is completely checked out in that movie. Like no, uh, no. <laughs> Doctor Strange seventeen. Um, Doctor Strange, famous superhero for getting his powers by texting and driving. Uh, and then falling into the ocean, and then he gets magic powers a couple months later. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my summary of Doctor Strange would be, it's the same skeleton as Iron Man, it's an origin story, but he has magic, and the things that kind of differentiate it for me are, you know, the visual effects, which have often been mentioned, but I do think they're great. Um, I think visually it's a really... Beautiful movie with some great trippy sequences, and I love me some Benedict Cumberbatch, even though he's essentially doing like the corniest New York accent throughout I, the entirety of this movie. I don't believe in chakras or <laughs> <laughs> the power of belief. Powers of belief. I. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch is doing a capital A American accent. He's from New in York. In this movie, you guys. Uh, I think he is kind of miscast uh and i'm not i run hot and cold on the cumberpatch the cumberbatch i love him uh he's fine sometimes i feel like he can uh, repeat himself sometimes oh um, yeah yeah but I, and i think he's just like all wrong for that role just in terms of accent i think that kind of brings that movie <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i was his accent is insane but i don't think he's miscast i think that he's a solid lead for this movie i think that they like with any origin story, he's he gets some cooler things to do in Infinity War than he does <clears throat> in his own movie because he does spend half the movie having to learn not to be arrogant anymore. Yeah. Which is fine. This is, uh, and I'm going to use this as like a blanket for most of the origin story movies, which I, I think generally have ranked lower on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find them to be sort of perfunctory and they just kind of spin their wheels and kind of get to the point and just set the table and then the sequels are better um in general and i think what they most suffer from is a protagonist a titular hero who is the most boring character in their own movie uh where everyone is explaining things to them and i'm just like i just want to know about what like benedict wong is doing right now i think that the origin stories are good at doing the legwork to develop the characters and i think that um I also tend to like the group, the big team-up movies better, uh, as you see. Uh, I love those team-up movies, but I think that they work because the origin stories work. Um, I also think that they work because of uh, the ability of Marvel movies to incorporate great character moments into all their films. So 
I agree. Origin stories are a lot of legwork, but they're necessary legwork. And they work. Number 16. Thor the Dark World. Okay. <laughs> Generally, I think the consensus uh, worst among uh, the culture. I think that the parts that I like about Thor the Dark World are the reasons why a lot of people hate it and why Chris Hemsworth hates it. Thor the Dark World fully leans into Loki being more interesting than Thor. Yep. Because it came out post, obviously, the first Thor, and then post Avengers, where Loki is incredible in that movie. Um, and I, along with many other preteens on Tumblr, uh, decided that Loki was the best thing since sliced bread. And this movie thinks that, too. Um, and so the saving grace uh, for this movie for me are kind of the sibling moments and the Loki moments. I think that Tom Hiddleston is great in this movie. I love his fake-out death. I love his... It's a good fake out death. It's so good. Um, I love that moment where him and Thor are escaping in the ship and they're like, you know, um, bearing with each other about like, well, did you turn it on? Like, I don't know if I turn it on. Like, this is the best plan ever. Like, I think that's so funny. Um, and I think, yeah, it's so good. And I think Tom Hiddleston is so good in this movie. And I remember <laughs> I dragged my whole family to see this movie after Avengers because I was obsessed with Loki. And my family walked out like... Grace, like that sucked and I was like I just had the time of my life and I cried when I saw Loki die the first time so I like Thor 2 better than most uh but objectively it's it's garbage it's really bad what it's bad it's I mean good. look I know you guys it's bad it's good and it's I'm gonna not. give you three reasons why okay Maliki, the Dark Elves. I like uh, my second favorite thing is as you brought up the characterization and the sibling moments uh this is a good brothers movie it's yeah. about their relationship and i think it's cool to foreground that yeah. and not a lot of movies not a lot of these movies i think have the time or space to foreground a relationship between two characters and make that the movie and that's what thor the dark world is a little bit it has a lot a little, of, it has, it has a lot, a lot of, lot other of stuff, dumb but it subplot. does it more than other movies three one of the best action climaxes of any marvel movie uh, mm. them tumbling Malekith and Thor tumbling from dimension to dimension moving from one environment to another it is coherent which is not something I could say about a lot of these and it is inventive and it is fun and there's always something new to look at and it's a good time them going from space to space Ant-Man <laughs> Ant-Man Ant is number Man. 15 um, I think you can tell this movie had a troubled production yeah uh, the script's kind of a mess uh, there's a fight with uh, Anthony Mackie's Falcon and it's just kind of there mm -hmm. and you're like okay sure and it like, feels it's... very much like this is the best Avenger we could afford yep yeah <laughs> yep it feels very budget uh, which is I, I not bad. Like it's yeah. good to be. It's yeah. I like I like this universe by building a cinematic universe. You can burrow into outer corners of it. Totally. Um, and I like Paul Rudd. I like this whole cast. I just mm -hmm. think the script's a mess, and I think you can tell that Edgar Wright, the person who was supposed to direct it, was fired, and yeah, some Peyton Reed came on and just kind of a mishmash emerged. Um. Yeah, but I think you'll find me saying this a lot. It's it's a Marvel origin story. It can get very bah, bah, bah. Uh, formulaic at some points. Um, but it definitely has its own unique charm. I think what really kind of prevents this movie from being higher for me is, like, there's definitely an Edgar Wright Ant-Man out there that I think is uh, takes more risks than, than this movie. And, you know, yeah. that's... It, it's okay. It is what it is. You got Ant-Man and the Wasp. But uh, this movie's good. I, I like Ant-Man. I, mm, I, I, it kind of wears me down, which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Civil War. Okay. Grace, go off. Captain, <laughs> Captain America Civil War is 
probably, I think, the most contentious for me and Jackson on this list. That's my least favorite. Yeah, Jackson has this. Jackson, for perspective, Jackson has this dead last, and I had it as my number two. Um, so I love, I love Civil War. I think that it is an excellent team-up movie, but still feels like a Captain America movie to me. Um, I think that that much has been said about it, but the hype is real. That airport fight scene, it lasts like 20 minutes. It's the best fight sequence in the MCU. But what I love about this movie is it really does feel like the perfect culmination of Tony and Cap's arcs, and I think that their actions in the movie really make perfect sense. You think about Tony and, you know, his whole origin story is about accountability and taking accountability for the weapons you make and the harm that you have the power to do on the world. He's coming off of creating Ultron and that whole mess and you know you look at all of his life experiences up till then um, and it makes sense that he would take this position and then you look at Captain America whose whole ethos is the price of freedom is high but it's the price I'm willing to pay. Uh, you look at his experiences in Winter Soldier and what happens when you give the wrong people power and it makes sense that they both take the positions they do in this movie, and that's why I think the scenes where they're all sitting around a table and talking about what they think um, work. Um, and I think that the ending is one of the biggest emotional gut punches in the MCU. Uh, for the record, if anyone's wondering, I am Team Iron Man. Um, but I think that that ending is just like... I think Robert Downey Jr. is acting his ass off in that ending. I think that it's heartbreaking. And I think that in Civil War, we kind of get to see Cap be selfish, which is something that we've never seen in any past MCU movies or any MCU movies since. I think that Chris Evans has even talked about this, but, you know, Cap is doing it because he believes in, you know, he takes his position against the Accords because of his beliefs. But you look at what happens in the end, and Cap is really picking, you know, Bucky's all that's left of his past at this point because Piggy dies in this movie. And Cap chooses to protect Bucky over the Avengers. He decides that that's more important to him. Um, and that's maybe not right. And it kind of forces the audience to reckon with that a little bit. Um, even though I think the movie as a whole kind of wants you to be Team Cap. I don't like how you're allowed to side with everybody in that movie. Uh, oh, I like that. No, I, I hate that. Ambiguous. No, it's not ambiguous. Because everyone has their reasons for doing it's, it, and it all makes sense. Is it ambiguous, or is it just okay, like, okay. let's not get into it? <laughs> no, I think that it's, you understand why every character is doing what they're doing, and so you can't really, you can't demonize anyone, because it makes sense why they all pick what they pick. Which is a testament to Marvel's ability to build characters, believably, as well. I think it's like a testament to their ability <laughs> to just, like, make you like everyone, and like, but, like, never challenge their perspectives or their their ideologies and you're they're just allowed to be super friends two years later when infinity war rolls around are they though i mean they're gonna be the next one <laughs> they don't meet each other in infinity war but i mean i just i i dislike how perfunctory and so just like not investing uh for me at least mm. watching these two figures fight each other because I like just the way the and this has to do I think with the concessions of making movies that feed into this overarching fiction in the first place and like the concessions you need to make when making those movies is that you need to ensure a longevity with these characters and their ability to be in scenes together even and I think this movie is just an interim that's so grand like overly grandiose and so into itself uh, and it just it earns not an inch of it 
like spider-man shows up i don't care in fact it just makes me think tony stark's bad for putting a teenager in harm's way for just being like i need your help uh, <laughs> i just it was like black panther's in it people i think tend to forget black panther's in that movie i don't i think black panther has a cool arc in that movie i think that his fight scenes in that movie are his fights cool scene, i i think mm, i think the, the 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 whole conflict is so phony and so manufactured and just like we this is what the movie's about it's about no. civil war baby and it's not we gotta manu- get them to fight each other it's not manufactured it's not i was rewatching. Like, cap is like i hate accountability and i'm like oh, okay Jesus, is that man. is that what he says it's kind of like it's not I, what he oh says. sorry like we want the like we, we want like bureaucracy and like the un to control your nuclear weapon size power <laughs> he's just saying if you if that like power ever gets into the wrong like an orwellian nightmare Jackson? yeah like an orwellian nightmare the ragnarok i think this is a okay movie um i think it is an incredibly uneven movie um this is a much goofier take on thor it basically reinvents his whole characterization yeah uh and makes a comedy around him which i not uh i do not object to by principle um but i think it's again such an uneven film it has to cut back to asgard from thor's fun space adventures every 10 minutes and kate blanchett is just kind of has nothing to do like she looks cool but that's it and um it's like two hours it's over like two hours 10 minutes like if you want to make your silly space comedy like a clock and small and don't fill it with the stuff that you obviously don't care about Taika Waititi yeah I think that this movie I'm actually gonna mostly agree with Jackson here I think that this movie belongs in the middle I think that this is the direction that Thor should have taken from the beginning I think that they should have seen you know Thor is a kooky spaceman and they should have let him be that from the beginning but they didn't and so this movie very much feels like a retcon to me um and it feels, very, I mean, it is a retcon, and it feels like that. And it feels very out of sync with the other Thor movies, which if you hated the other Thor movies, which most people did, then that's okay. And so maybe that's okay. Um, and I think that it's way more interested in its B-plot of Sakaar than it is in Ragnarok or Asgard or Hela or any of it. Um, and I think when you waste Kate Blanchett in a movie, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Okay, uh, number 12 is the first Thor uh i like it i like the vibe of it um it's just like hey we're gonna hang out in this small town in the desert uh and thor will just be there and he's a fish out of water and i'm like cool he went to a town he just kind of i don't know it's like a nice small it's a small contained movie and i think chris hemsworth is great i think he is this is a star turn performance because he was basically unknown before this movie came out and I like um I like this movie. I think Kenneth Branagh is a big silly director, fitting for Thor. Uh, mm-hmm. Thor is yeah, he's just it's a hammy time. I like all the tilted angles. Uh, Lots of tilted angles. It's just seesawing left and right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that uh, again, Chris Hemsworth has comedic chops clearly that aren't used in this movie. My favorite part of the first Thor is the Loki stuff. I'll say it again. He's I good. Think Tom Hiddle. I mean, if anyone's made a star from this movie, I think it's Tom Hiddleston. Ooh. Um, yeah, I said that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like the Loki stuff, and I think this movie should spend more time in space. It's a little too interested in New Mexico and Jane I love Foster. The New Mexico stuff. I'm like, I don't know. Um, but it's fine, I guess. <laughs> uh, number eleven, Iron Man three, a movie. I don't think it's a fair shake in this lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's the only one of these things that approaches. Even yeah, even approaches or attempts to be a, a character study. 
of one of these people. Uh, this is Iron Man, PTSD. Uh, he just sent a nuke up into a space portal in the Avengers, which would fucking melt your brain if you did that in real life. And he's freaking out. Uh, and I love that. I love that he's trying to make amends with his Iron Man persona and his own martyr complex and his impulsive need to protect the earth and protect, uh, like Pepper Potts, who's like one of two people he loves in the world. Um, I, I, I love all of that. Um, it's terrific. Uh, I like Robert Downey Jr.'s completely manic performance in this where he's like, I've been up 72 hours. Yeah. I'm just making Iron Man suits all night. <laughs> I'm peeing in bottles, probably. <laughs> like, he oh, is definitely. insane in this movie and having to make amends with being part of this cinematic universe where there are terrorists and aliens and blah, blah, blah. And by the end of it, you buy his arc of coming to terms with the world he's in. Um, I just think that the, I, the subplot stuff kind of ruins it for me like what the mandarin i just think everything i think the mandarin (laughs) and the extremists i think it's just i love the extremists it's such like a because it's so muddled for me i think that stuff like that keeps it from being what it should be and wants to be which is like you said a tony stark character study and i think those are the strongest moments but i think a lot of the movie just like really holds it back from being that and makes it kind of like a mid-level entry for me um, but I do think the Tony and Pepper stuff in this movie is great. And I think Tony's arc in this movie is great. Number 10, Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, it should be uh, higher. Yeah, here, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give like a 20 second spiel and then you can take the mic. Um, this movie, it spins so many plates and I guess that's an accomplishment, uh, to put this many characters in this movie and have the Flintstones meet the Jetsons. Mm. Um, but... Uh, I just, I think it leaves no room for the things that I like in these movies, the things that they're good at, which is just like small character moments, uh, small emotional beats, uh, and like, you like, like teamwork exercises or just shit like that. Uh, I think it's just all pointing to stakes that probably won't matter in 10 days because they're probably not dead. Uh, moving on, Grace. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm going to disagree with Jackson. I think that uh, Infinity War is strong because of its character moments. I think that the pairings up uh, of the little groups of disparate characters are strong. I think that Thor and the Guardians is funny. I like Doctor Strange and Iron Man and Spider-Man. I think that those moments are great. And I think that the stakes are real and the ending is great. And I think that the impact that it'll have on the surviving characters is real and is enough emotional pathos to get us in the next movie. And really uh, affected me a lot. This is, a, you know, it was their big 10-year anniversary movie, and everyone was in it, and it was a joy to watch. I think it should be higher. <laughs> Number nine, Avengers Age of Ultron, my favorite Marvel movie. The hottest Marvel villain. <laughs> uh, Ultron is quite a sexy guy. Oh, yeah. you do, yeah. It's a messy movie. Ultron is the greatest Marvel villain no it, tony stark creates him He's so by wasted. being like i i need to put a suit of armor around, around the, the earth world. so he creates an ai that wants to kill everyone it's like, the direct inverse of a martyr <laughs> complex it's insane uh and then he does he debates the fate of humanity with another robot the vision it's... and they just talk about whether humans are worth it or not because this movie foregrounds the messy emotional lives of these characters and how at odds that that drama is and those those um, interests are to the fundamentally and ideologically simple uh, execution of superheroes where they should just save the day and beat the bad guys. 
I just think it's it's a hot mess. It has way too much stuff into it. I think that there's some really interesting stuff beneath all of that. I think that Tony's choice to make Ultron is a really fitting character choice. Um, and I think it's really interesting, but we don't spend any time on it because we're messing around with all this, all this other shit that they made Joss Whedon put in this movie, and it's just a hot mess. <laughs> Number eight is Iron Man, yeah. uh, a movie I kind of have low. I like it fine. I just don't buy Tony Stark's arc in it, but, uh, you know, it's loose. It's got jokes. I think the third act is sort of requisite and whatever. Yeah, I love the first Iron Man. Started it all off. I think Robert Downey Jr. is really incredible in this movie, um, and I buy his arc. I think that they spend a ton of time uh, really building his character and his motivations before they let him suit up and, and fight anyone. Um, and I just rewatched this. His moments with Pepper are so good in this movie. And Gwyneth Paltrow gets the iconic line, one of her first lines, where she's ushering out one of Tony Stark's one-night stands. That's a good line. She goes, I do anything and everything Mr. Stark requires, including occasionally taking out the trash. Will that be all? Uh, okay, number seven, Ant-Man and the Wasp, a movie I really love. Uh, well, not good. maybe not love. I like it a lot. Um, I just think it's very, it's fizzy, it's fleet. Uh, I think it just, uh, finally, they were able to write a script and, like, get the, spend time with it. <laughs> and, well, and, as opposed to the first Ant-Man, where it's a mess. And, like, like the creative team got completely overhauled partly through production. I don't know if it's fully a mess. I think that... Well, it's I, less of a mess. I like Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think that it's... You know, breezy. It's fun. It's a good uh, palate cleanser. Um, yeah, I think it's a fun movie. I like Evangeline Lilly a lot. I in love this movie. Evangeline Lilly in this movie. Yeah, she's so good. Um, but Jackson is Jackson's really enamored with this movie. That's why it's so. Well, it's, I'm not really enamored with it. I'm it's just, your number. Yeah, I'm more three. enamored with it than most of these other movies. Well, I'm, I'm not, I think it's. I think that it's good in the sense that I think, like, it's good, it's average. It's like, I feel like we agree on the quality of this movie, but, like, our rankings just shake out, like, I think it's, you like most of these movies more than this movie, and yeah. I dislike most of these movies like, less I en- than this movie. Like, I enjoyed watching this movie thoroughly. Yeah. And yeah. Berkeley makes a cameo in this Berkeley movie. makes a cameo, they walk through Sather Gate. Yes. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne is a professor here. <laughs> Teaching in a classroom that's very obviously not Berkeley. Not Berkeley. No. But what can you do? Uh, can you do? Uh, it's so much fun. I wish it was uh, sexier. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. uh, I'll leave it at that. They grow and shrink. Uh, number six, Jackson. Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Yes. Number six is Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, uh, I, I remember, this is actually the first Marvel movie I watched in a theater, and like, I... I remember being very excited for this movie and then watching the theater and like struggling to connect with it and walking out and being like, I, I liked this. And I was like determined that I liked it. And then I remember I rewatched it a couple months later and I was like, this is okay, I guess. Uh, I love the first guardians of the galaxy. I kind of went into it in the theater with the opposite, opposite yeah. perspective that you did. I was like, Oh, this is overhyped. Like I'm not going to like it. Um, and I loved it. I think that it, to accomplish, I mean, it's an ensemble film, and it's really an origin story for a team, and they do it all in one movie. Yeah, I love the first Guardians. I love the opening scene of this movie. The opening scene rules. Yeah. I like the texture of it. I like how rainy it is in that opening heist. Yeah. The opening credits heist. 
I, like, I mean, I like, yeah, it has a more tactile feel and it's looser and goofier than these movies usually are. And even they're actually already kind of loose and goofy. Yeah. Um, but uh, I appreciate the, the the characterization of these five weirdos and yeah. how it bunts them against each other. Misfits. Yeah, they're all misfits. I just think the jokes could be sharper and I think the action could be a little uh, more impactful. Uh, number five, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. I think the concept of this movie is really good. It's really solid to take the uh, emblematic, uh, gung-ho, rah-rah Americana figure yeah. of World War II uh, and like put him in the much more thornier, like Jason Bourne-esque yeah. surveillance state. I think that this movie really does the only compelling thing that you could do with Cap after the first Avenger. Um, and I think that that's its most skillful move. I think the... Developing relationship between Black Widow and Captain America in this movie is very compelling to me. I think they introduce Falcon in a really meaningful way, and his bond with Cap is believable. Yeah, and the action sequences in this movie are good. Whip ass. They're <laughs> good. I like I like how blunt uh, an object Cap is with the shield, and like also that extends like the blunt sort of like we have to beat the Nazis of his time. And yeah, like how how that goes against like this insane tornadoes of gunfire (laughs) like putting it in that situation is very odd and i like that sort of idiosyncratic element to the action number four black panther yeah last year's mega hit black panther i like it a lot um i like ryan coogler essentially just kind of taking this property and running with it Mm -hmm. uh if anything like the parts of this movie i don't like are him bumping against the marvel machinery where I think this movie could stand to look a little cleaner. Uh, I think the effects yeah. are kind of not quite done with some of these. Yeah. I think the third act action, like cross-cutting between three Agree. different things stuff is kind of uh, whatever. Yeah. Well, again, I think these are as idiosyncratic as these movies can get, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate Ryan Coogler, like with Creed, just putting his own like, soul on the line to make yeah. this blockbuster that will appeal to a mass audience yeah i think that uh black panther is beautifully made i love it if you were forcing me to find some weaknesses i would say the third act action is um bad the final fight between killmonger and t'challa is just like you can barely see anything it's really poorly done and then i think that the wakabi subplot is underdeveloped gardens volume two I like this movie a lot. I think it's very messy. Our number three. Emotionally messy, maybe is the right word to put on top of that. Uh, yeah, you know, they're just, uh, this is like all their characters airing out their histories of familial abuse and yeah. <laughs> between each other and between their like own adoptive parents and their own biological parents. And it's very weird. I think this movie is audacious for what these movies typically are, where it essentially cuts the characters in half and half of the crew just goes to a planet and they just have dialogue scenes for an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, I like Guardians Volume 2 because I think you said this about Iron Man 3, but I think the writing in this movie, everything serves the theme of mm-hmm. family, both found and not. Um, I love that sequence where Yondu's killing everyone with his arrow on the ship and whistling it around. Um, I think where this movie runs into a few roadblocks for me is I think it occasionally falls into the Thor Ragnarok trap of like emotional beat and then a joke, emotional beat and then joke, 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 joke. And not all the jokes are sharp or land for me. I really don't like what they did with Drax in this movie. Um, I have it a bit lower on my list, Uh, but I do love this movie. I think that it's a very sincere movie. I saw it in theaters and I wasn't in love with it. And then 
my freshman year, I was very homesick the whole time, and this was like one of the only Marvel movies on Netflix. Um, and so I watched it over and over again, and I found that in that process, I, I liked it better um, each rewatch, and so now it's higher up the list for me. Number two, The Avengers. Yes. Uh, yeah, we both love this in the theaters, I assume. I love this movie. This is my number one by far and away on yeah. my personal ranking. I don't even know where this is, like 10. Uh, I rewatched it a couple days ago. Uh, I really like it, and then I think New York is kind of bad. Um, I. <laughs> that's all. I don't know. I mean, I, I love everything about this movie. Um, I, re- I really oh, do. Yeah. Uh, again, this was the movie that kind of got me into Marvel when I saw it in the theaters. And I think this, maybe more than any other MCU movie, really just earns its big hero moments at the end. I think that like every time I watch it, I feel like I'm 13 years old. Um, and I just think that there's so much great dialogue and character interactions in this movie. You know, like... That man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Uh, he's my brother. He's yeah. killed 80 people in two days. He's adopted. I still remember every time I watch it, it's like I can hear the echoes of the audience reactions in my head as I'm watching it when Thor, um, not Thor, when uh, Hulk just smashes Loki around like Ragdoll. Uh, you know, that shot, uh, you know, where they pan around the circle of the Avengers. It just like makes my heart swell. Um, and I love it. I love everything about it. Literally, I think Loki's great. I think every character is great. We get our first Thanos tease at the end. I remember having to Google who Thanos was <laughs> when I left the theater. It's just like, yeah, I, I could watch this movie every day. I love it. It's my number one. Uh, okay, number one. Uh, you you guessed it. It's the only one left. Venom. <laughs> <laughs> it's Captain America, the first Avenger. Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is maybe a slightly uh, off-kilter number one pick. Uh, I mean, this one, I think, tends to be at the top of, like, most people's lists. Or at least middle. Yeah. Um, But I... uh, And it just ended up being the one that we both liked the most. Yeah. I have a lot of affection for this movie. I love how old-fashioned and corny and idealistic it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do always find myself getting emotional a few parts of the movie because it's just, like, it's so sincere about the Captain America ethos. Um, I think my favorite sequence is the Star-Spangled Man song sequence. It's so good. (laughs) And I don't mean this to, like, dunk on, like, the later movies, but, like, just, like, when one of these movies could stop and then just be like, okay, we have a musical sequence for three and a half minutes. It's great. It's great. One of the only star turns of like the decade in my opinion with chris evans he's so uh, good just like a star making performance from him he's so good uh perfect perfect first hour perfectly paced if captain america is the heart of the mcu which i think a lot of people think he is this movie is uh is why is the best case for it yep i love this movie he's great he throws a shield love marvel <laughs> what a marvelous ranking uh folks um it's crazy it makes no sense so let's talk endgame real quick for like a couple minutes yeah um i think that if i'm a betting woman um again the movie's very long and they've been you know very secretive about the plot points i think if i'm a betting woman cap will die and everyone else will survive or retire i just think that you know, Chris Evans has been very open about the fact that he's done mm-hmm. um, and he can't be Captain America forever. I think he wants to go do plays and direct or whatever and his contract is up. I think that Cap dying would be the the biggest kind of heroic sacrifice moment that the MCU could muster up here. And I think Marvel is going to want to go for some real stakes. And so they're going to kill 
I think the audience's favorite character is Captain America, so I think he'll die. Um, I think that they'll let Tony have his happy ending with Pepper, but he'll retire. And I think if I'm Robert Downey Jr., I'm cool with still being alive and only doing the occasional cameo. I could see RDJ stepping in to do that. I think that Thor will probably live because Chris Hemsworth, you know, kind of just got started with this new version of Thor in Ragnarok. And I think, you know, if they bring Taika back, Chris Hemsworth might be game. Um, Black Widow's got her own movie down the pipeline, so she's fine. Um, Yeah, I think they're going to get the Infinity Stones and bring everyone back. I think that there will be some time travel. I think, yeah, I think there will be some time travel. Judging by some on-set photos, if you want to look. Um, And I think everyone will be back. I'm hoping for a big Avengers Assemble moment or kind of a a purposeful echo of the original six Avengers circling up. I also think the Quantum Realm will play a big role. I got got a smorgasbord of predictions for you guys. Um, Yeah, I think the Quantum Realm is... That's why they left Ant-Man alive. That's why they let him get out of the Quantum Realm. Um, yeah, but I think only Cap will bite the dust. I'm almost afraid to go on record saying that because they might surprise us. But that is what I think will happen. Those are some possibilities. Um, I will cry. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it really is the ending of 21 movies in this infinity arc that they've been building. Um, and whether you like it or you don't. um, It is ending. (laughs) It is ending. And I think that it will be... I think that this is a pop cultural touchstone of our generation and we'll still be talking about it years and years and years from now. I really do. In the vein of Star Wars. This will be what nerds are talking about forever. This will be what people are trying to replicate forever. For a long time at least. They're um, already trying to replicate They're it. already trying and they've already failed. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah. The um, dark universe. The dark universe, the DCEU. Um, nobody else can do it. Uh, so hate on Marvel all you want, but nobody else can do what they did. Look, at I, least for now. I don't like most of these movies. It is hard to object to the fact that it is good business <laughs> to make these movies. Uh, <laughs> Not only good business, but they are good. I think... <laughs> No, I think they're good, and I think they're well-made. And I think that if they weren't well-made, and they were just banking on the name value of the characters, people wouldn't like them, and they wouldn't be as big of a deal as they are. You look at the fact that people got more excited about Thor 3 than the Justice League. Yeah. That's because... They built, like, goodwill. They they built those characters. Nobody cared about Thor. Nobody cared about Captain America. Now Captain America is, like, the most popular, one of the most popular superheroes in the cultural canon. And I don't think that's... By chance, I don't think it's just because they were able to funnel a ton of money into it because they weren't in the beginning. Um, I think it's because of the talent involved. I do. And I think that it's we are where we are today because they are really well made. And if they weren't, they'd be Justice League, which sucked. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to fight you on that one. <laughs> no, yeah, it is just like they, they built this. They put it in the public mind. Like if you look at like the, the Iron, if you look at Iron Man on paper, it's like Robert Downey Jr., playing iron man yeah what the fuck is this shit really um but yeah no it worked out uh good for them they made a lot of money um i hope they all die in endgame this is my official prediction uh thanos kills all of them and uh but the movies still keep going somehow Whatever they do, I trust them to do the right thing, the thing that makes the most sense for the story. Um, and I will be deeply, deeply sad either way. Because I'll be saying, whether they retire or they die, it's goodbye to, you know, the original Avengers that I grew up with. 
And that is sad. And that is emotional. But it's coming in 10 days. 10 days, folks. That is Avengers Endgame podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, what a marvel. We've marveled at these movies. Um, in theaters now. Avengers Endgame. Go see it. Uh, in theaters. In 10 days. Check out Netflix. Go see it.